You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Double tackle, the defensive end. If he's over him, if he's not, he drives down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. Tackle. No one shows. Go right by this and feel this back. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Mr. Paul Brittle from Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Paul, how's your day been, buddy? Been excellent, Clayton. Always happy to talk Packers with you. I think we're in a little bit better mood this week. We're looking for a dub out there yes. right in Denver. So I'm excited to see uh, if this team shows up or not. I was kind of going through some of the statistics, some of the team rankings, and uh, I'm feeling good about it, although that offense isn't too shabby. But we'll get into that uh, here for mm-hmm. here in just a second. Let's uh, let's just kind of dive into the uh, the uh, I guess the the bread and butter right off the bat, the injury report. Paul, what do you see as far as the injuries go on the Packers front for this game going into Denver? Do you think we're going to be a little bit healthier? I know Jair popped up on that injury report today, which I was like, oh no, right? Mm-hmm. And we got the Devondre Campbell situation kind of hanging up in the air. But uh, how do you see the injury report? What are we looking looking at there? Yeah, so I'll start with Devondre Campbell on Wednesday. Matt Lafleur basically already said he expects him to be doubtful for Sunday. They'll of course give him up until game time like they always do. But they, from the sounds of it, they're not planning on having Devondre Campbell. Um, we know Dar- Darnell Savage, Quay Walker, they've both been limited participants in both practices this week. I think if we're trying to glean a little bit of optimism around them, that Tuesday press conference following the Raiders game before the bye week, uh, Matt LaFleur, I I believe his word was something to the effect of hopeful that Quay Walker and Darnell Savage would be available. So absolutely think that it's in play for them to be out there. Um, I mean, the, just from the tone of that, that press conference again, prior to the bye week certainly didn't sound like either injury was going to be, Um, you know, something that would force either to miss significant time. So hopefully they'll be able to be out there. Uh, And what I will say, 
briefly just about the linebacker position in particular. We were talking to Joe Barry on on Monday, I believe it was, and he said that during Tuesday's meeting, you know, he he gathers the defense together for their usual, you know, uh, get together following a game. And he said that one of the first things that he told that group was how proud he was of Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson. Let's go. And I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it on here because we, we talked frequently throughout summer and training camp. But one of my consistent takeaways from that period was the play of the linebacker group. And of course, that includes Campbell and Walker, but that also included McDuffie and Eric Wilson as well. And you know, obviously you want your starters out on the field, but those two, and again, it's a relatively smaller sample size. Um, but they've held up well. And again, to my point, I think we saw a lot of that over the summer. McDuffie, he's been such a reliable tackler. PFF has him making 28 of his 29 tackle attempts this regular season so far. And also he has really good speed. Like his ability to move sideline to sideline is really evident. Like that was one thing in particular this summer, you know, seeing him, seeing him up close in that capacity, that really jumped out to me. Uh, very willing to stick his nose into gaps. And then Eric Wilson, uh, they've used him as a blitzer. They did that. Again, throughout the summer in particular, we saw him get after Jimmy Garoppolo in that Raiders game. Um, he's also just been very good at muddying things up over the middle. You know, uh, neither of these guys are going to be, you know, limiting pass catchers in terms of receptions, but their ability to be sound tacklers, to be positioned correctly, that at least allows you to limit the the yards after yards after the catch potential, which we saw them. I like the play of them because, again, Joe Barry said that that was one of the first things he talked about in the defensive meeting. Um, Kirk Olivadotti, the linebackers coach, you know, just raved about McDuffie and Wilson, not only their play on the field, but who they are within the building. He says it doesn't matter what's going on, whether they're starting, whether they're taking second team reps. Like these are the same dudes every single day. They're pros, pros. They're there to work. Um, and so just uh, the the highest of compliments f- for those two players. And Isaiah McDuffie took on the the communication responsibilities uh, once Quay Walker left the game. And, you know, that's a big jump, especially for like Eric Wilson. Like he wasn't going into that week getting starter reps and all of a sudden, boom, you're in the middle of the game. I think it was like 16, 17 plays in that Walker that Walker left. And so he's got a full game ahead of him. So just wanted to highlight that the coaches talked about them. And I think we saw that as well, watching the game. Uh, of course, the other big injury, Aaron Jones, you know, he, if I were to guess, I'd say he's going to be out there on Sunday. He said on, we talked to him on Wednesday and he said that the hamstring injury that kind of reemerged that Saturday before the Raiders game wasn't anything like what had happened in Chicago. It's not like it was this big setback. It was more of a a tweak, I believe was his word. And obviously with those injuries being so finicky and close to game time and the Packers being cautious as they often are with injuries, that's the approach that they that they chose. Um, but he's he he also said that this is the best that he's felt since that Chicago game. So if I again just a guess on my per- part, but I would expect him to be out there. And if he is you know, what capacity is it going to be like the Lions game where he's kind of on a snap count? Are they just going to let him, you know, are they just going to let him go and be Aaron Jones? And if that, if the latter is the case and he's going to get all those opportunities, there is zero reason that he should not have at least 20 touches and honestly pushing 25. And we'll get into it here in a second about this Broncos defense. Uh, But they've really, really struggled against running backs. That includes in the ground game. As ball carriers, running backs are averaging 5.6 yards per rush this season against Denver, uh, by far the most in football. And, you know, we can take the Miami game out of that equation, but they're still giving up five yards a carry, even without that, which I believe 
if uh, uh, looking it up, was still 26 or 27. So the opportunity in the run game is going to be there. They've also really struggled in the passing game against running backs. Running backs have caught 40 of 46 targets, averaging over eight yards per catch against Denver. And I believe if you took that eight-yard figure and like if you were to assign it to one running back to provide some context around it, that would rank top 10 in the NFL this season among running backs in terms of efficiency in those in terms of yards per catch. So tremendous opportunity for Aaron Jones in his first game back. Of course, because he's Aaron Jones and they need that playmaker, but the matchup that they're going up against too in the Broncos and their issues defending running backs for him to have a big opportunity. I also hope that this is a, you know, opportunity for AJ Dillon to continue to build on what we saw in Denver. I'm sure we talked about it last week, but he averaged 3.7 yards per rush. That game doesn't, you know, doesn't leap off the page, but it was a full yard more than what he had been running. And uh, I think more so the style, there was decisiveness, there was physicality in his game. And, Going back to running back coach Ben Sermons, he's talked about that's what they need to see from him. You know, in sports, sometimes less thinking is better. You know, you're not trying to be perfect. You're just reacting and letting your natural abilities take over. And that's what Ben Sermons said they really want to see from A.J. Dillon. And I feel like that's what we that's what we saw in that Raiders game. So big opportunity for Aaron Jones and as well as A.J. Dillon going up against this Broncos defense. And, of course, we all know the trickle-down effect that that can have to the rest of the offense when your run game's going. Uh, I think the last big injury to touch on is Jair Alexander, as you mentioned, that just popped up on on Thursday here. Not really sure what to make of it. The only sort of context I guess I can try to provide is that, unfortunately, this is kind of what happened the last time he was out. Like, I think when he was out the last time with the back injury, it was that Friday uh, before, I forget which game it was, but it just kind of came out of nowhere, and that's what kept him out for I think it was the Saints and Lions games actually yeah. um, that kept him out for those games. So again, I'm not saying it's at that level. I don't know. All we know is that he practiced in limited capacity. It was a back issue that popped up and that's the same thing that he dealt with earlier this season. I guess there's a slight chance too, Paul, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe this was a part of LaFleur's plan, right? Like maybe, okay, full participation, then let's go limited, ease it off a little bit and then kind of gear up for the game, possibly. Um, LaFleur hasn't spoken on it that you've heard, right, specifically? No, not that I've heard. Okay, got it, got it. Good stuff, man. All right, well, let's do this. Let's talk about um, the keys to this game. Uh, Packers-Broncos, obviously it's a, it's a you know, 425 Eastern kickoff um, there in that, that late afternoon slot, which I absolutely love, especially in Denver. You get the shadows kind of cast, and it's mm-hmm. October, man. You get the longer shadows. Um, I was hoping for a little chill in the air, but uh, unfortunately they're calling for it. I think it to be – I say unfortunately, but like 78 degrees and sunny, absolutely oh, wow. perfect weather, you know, mm-hmm. with no humidity. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Packers attack this Denver defense. And with that being said, what do you think the Packers' keys to victory – are on the offensive side of the ball going into Denver here Sunday? I'm going to answer this in a little bit of a different way. Like anything. (laughs) This feels like a now or never opportunity for this offense to find some form of sustained success, whether that's in the ground game, the passing game, hopefully both. But the key, what I want to see from this group is, again, just the ability to fairly consistently move the ball against this Denver defense. You know, pick a stat, points per game, pressure rate, yards per uh, carry allowed, uh, third down defense. I mean, pick a stat, and there is a good chance that the Denver Broncos either rank last or close to it in that category. This is 
you know, they gave up 70 points to Miami Dolphins. This is statistically the worst defense in football this season. And even if we want to wipe away that Dolphins game like I did earlier, they still gave up 28 points to the Bears. They gave up 31 to the Jets. They gave up 35 to the Commanders. Uh, the Bears and Jets rank in the bottom third of football in terms of points per game on offense. The Commanders rank in the bottom half. Uh, they're still giving up over five yards per carry, as I mentioned, if we take away the Dolphins game. Like, if we're going to wipe away the the Dolphins game in terms of trying to figure out, all right, who is this defense? Mm-hmm. You know, to to be fair, we got to take away the Chiefs one as well, which to their credit, they held the Chiefs to 19 points. Right, yeah. You know, it was a, you know, it's a Thursday night game, which I think can sometimes add a little bit of, you know, unknown or wonkiness to it. But, you know, if we look at the heart of those games without the Chiefs, and the numbers that I read, the yards per game, the points per game total where they rank 26 without the Dolphins, like that still includes the Kansas City game. So my point being, the opportunity is going to be there for this offense to find some success. But Matt LaFleur keeps going back to it and they just got to get out of their own way at some point. The the little details, the 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 inability to fully execute. And we were talking to Jordan Love on Wednesday and one thing that he mentioned was being more willing to take the the shorter passes and what's there versus pushing the ball downfield. And as we all know, he's been willing to push the ball downfield. I think even with an off game, he still ranks in the top 10 in pass attempts of 20 plus yards, but he's only hit six of those 24 passes. And for an offense that is really, really struggling when they get behind the sticks, like you talk to Matt LaFleur, uh, Jordan Love, John Runyon, Tucker Craft, Aaron Jones are all players that we spoke to on Wednesday and all of them have that same kind of general theme. We got to be better on early downs. We got to stop putting ourselves in those long down and distance situations. Jordan Love on second and seven or longer. Uh, Zach Cruz uh, from Packers Wire found these numbers. It's completing just 39% of his passes on third and seven or longer. It's completing only 47%. If you take those two downs in those distances out of the equation, He's completing, I think, almost 64% of his passes this season. Again, that's not top of the league, but that's that's at least workable. Like You right. can work with that. And so they have to find a way, one, to stop shooting themselves in the foot on those early downs. And again, that utilizing the short passing game can help. Do you want the explosive play? Absolutely. But for again, for an offense who's fallen behind the sticks, even getting five yards, putting yourself in second and five, yes. third and two, that can do absolute wonders, opens up the playbook for you. The defense now has to defend both the run and the pass, take some of the pass rushes bite away. Like it just opens up so much. Now with that, this isn't a cure all either. And I think the Raiders game is a really good example of that. They did not push the ball downfield nearly as much, at least through the first three quarters as what they had had been doing throughout the season. And in part why we, like I said, it's not a cure-all is one because of how defenses are defending Green Bay. I mean, both the floor and love to talk about this ton of cover one, ton of loaded boxes. Teams don't fear getting beat downfield. So right. what does that do? Muddies things up over the middle of the field, shrinks the space that the Packers are able to operate within, which of course makes those short passes, yards after the catch opportunities, makes them more challenging. There's just less you know, real estate to operate within. I think another key aspect of this as well, again, I think it's a good strategy for them, but let's flip to the Packers defensive side of the ball. Like what's the MO? What's the, what's the prerogative of Joe Barry's defense? Take away the big play, force the offense to go 12, 13, 14 plays downfield, 
because right. at that point you're banking, well, one, that's hard to do to consistently do that. And you might be able to do that for a drive a game, maybe two drives, but even so, okay, 10, 14 points, like you should still be able to win those games. Right. But what you're banking on is either your defense is going to make a play or the offense is just going to get in their own way and not be able to sustain those drives. And so back to the Packers offense, we've seen nothing from that group from a consistency standpoint yeah. to uh, show us that they could operate in that fashion and consistently just, you know, plot their way down the field, 10 plays or 12 plays or 13 plays, whatever it ends up being. So again, I, I, I use those two elements of this as uh, just, other sides of the coin. Cause again, I think there's definitely opportunity there. They got the speed, the versatility, get guys in space, pick up some yards after the catch, still have big play potential, even though they're not pushing the ball. And again, it can get them into uh, not being behind the stick so much, which is just, as we talked about, just absolutely spelled doom for this Packers offense. So positives, but it's not the only thing I think really what has to change before this offense can truly just begin taking big those big strides forward is one the execution you know all 11 players got to be better but they either have to find more success on the run game or begin hitting on those deep passes because right now defenses don't fear either of those things and when defenses don't fear that like we talked about things get muddied up over the middle moving the ball in other facets becomes really really challenging and so they have to begin finding success in one of those areas you find it against the run more opportunities deep. You start hitting deep, it creates more opportunities over the middle underneath. Um, But to me, that's where the real opportunity is for this team. If we're going to see true consistent change and something that they can lean on, you know, Matt LaFleur talked about that before the bye week as well. What can we hang our hat on? And having one of those elements will either be that opportunity or give you that opportunity elsewhere. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, the thing I've noticed too, Paul, watching the tape is, you know, when you want, when you're trying to defenses are kind of taking, taking that deep ball away, at least the Detroit game really stands out to me. Uh, they, they weren't really concerned with them beating, beating them deep, but they were also kind of muddy in the water out of these condensed sets. And mm-hmm. um, one thing you noticed was Jordan was really short, short arming the play action. Now, it's it's hard to look at that and go, okay, is it him short arm in the play action? The reason the backers aren't biting, or the fact that we have no running game are the reasons the backers aren't biting, right? Because we've seen <laughs> some guys short arm it, but they got such a strong running game, those backers still get pulled up in the play action. But I'm excited to see how they respond. I think it's a it's another opportunity for us to check something off the list, right? You know, this is a game going in, and I think everybody expects the Packers to win. It's a get right game. Um, and we're going to see kind of what this team's made of. Are they going to rise to that occasion or is it, you know, I, I just think we're going to get so many answers this week. I really, really do, especially with the team too. You never know when a bad team is going to cut the corner, right? And, mm-hmm. and kind of click and you can't, I know a lot of people are on Sean Payton right now and, and he's kind of disliked across the league for going after one of the most beloved coaches in the league in Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, you cannot rule out his experience. You know, he he is definitely a coach, uh, much like Mike McCarthy. I kind of put them in that same range. Had a lot of success, Super Bowl champion. Um, you never know when it's really going to click and everything's going to take off. But as far as the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, um, how do you see this playing out? What do you think are the keys to victory for this, uh, this Joe Barry defense going into Denver? Yeah, I, I just want to bounce back to your point on that um, 
Mm -hmm. uh, that play action where love threw the interception in the, in the Detroit game. Like that's a prime example of like the impact Aaron Jones could have. Yes. um, Even if the ball's not in his hands, because if that's Aaron Jones in that backfield and he's the one getting that play action, do those linebackers take that extra step or two, you know, on that, you know, bite a little bit harder, which opens up the passing lane to connect with Christian Watson. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's not an interception. It's maybe a 15 yard gain for the Packers. You know, it's just, again, it it goes back to everything LaFleur's talking about. It's just those little, little things, those little details that are just not fully being executed on or not getting the full commitment from the defense because of what this team's done previously. And so I think that's just that play you brought up as a prime example of potentially, you know, just Aaron Jones being back on the field, what that does for opponents. It's huge, man. I mean, just all you got to do is go back and watch the Chicago game. And I know it's the Bears, but just the impact he had. That little Texas route and that choice route, it was mm-hmm. just like, whoa, that's how quick it can happen. And you can you can bet your rear end that defenses are thinking about that. But uh, how do you see this defense, Paul? What do you think, man? What's uh, what's the keys to victory here in stopping Russell Wilson and Sean, and Sean Payton? Because, you know, in my opinion, they've got a – as far as points per play, I looked it up here earlier, and I believe they're in the top ten in points per play. So they're, you know, they're they're having some success on offense. It's just that that defense, I think, is thirty first in points per play allowed, right? But uh, mm-hmm. what do you think about this defense? The Packers going in. I think it's a uh, for me kind of the two big things I'm going to be watching is the front seven against the the Broncos run game, and then just the ability for the Packers to hopefully be able to have a play complementary football. And I think those yes. front seven play and the complementary are going to go hand in hand because this is a, a, a Denver team that I believe ranks fourth in yards per carry this season. That's uh, one, a product of their, their running backs, but Russell Wilson, I mean, he's had some games this season where he's been able to find success getting out of the pocket and scrambling. And I mean, I know we're all as Packer fans are just kind of in flashbacks throughout the last, you know, decade plus of that from <laughs> running quarterback team, right? Insert any mobile quarterback. <laughs> um, so being able to contain that element of it and put this offense in predictable passing situations, because for as successful as they've been on the ground, again, averaging 4.9 yards per carry, they rank near the bottom in rush attempts per game. And that's just because of a product that they, of the situation they find themselves in They're they're trailing all the time. So what happens when you're trailing? I mean, we've seen it with the Packers to a degree. You're not able to lean on the run game as heavily. There's more of an emphasis on the the passing game. Obviously, playing catch up, you're in those predictable passing situations, and we've talked about that quite a bit on, from the Packers' perspective. And just how much more challenging that makes it. Defense gets into favorable matchups. Defensive front is able to pin its ears back, and that's where this Packers front has really been at its best. Those obvious passing situations. I think I'm sure many saw there's that stat where. Gary Wyatt Clark and uh, Preston Smith are like the third most productive pass rush combination in the NFL this season. And their sack rate is like 33%. So nearly a a third of their snaps end in sacks. And for context, the second highest rate, I think was 16%. Yeah. But think you're stopping the run. Um, You're either finding success against the run or the Packers offense is going down. They're putting up points. It's forcing the the Broncos to get into those obvious passing situations. And now you can put that front out on the field and say, all right, go and get the quarterback. You don't got to worry about the run game because it's second and 10, third and eight, whatever it ends up being. So obviously that's going to be a big key element to this. Again, containing Russell Wilson, his ability to extend plays, because if things play out differently, if the Packers offense isn't able to give the defense a lead. If Denver is able to lean on the run game and pick up those four and a half, five, five and a half yards per carry, like 
this this is a passing game you do have to worry about, and especially with you know unknowns around Jair Alexander's uh, uh, availability at this time, given given that he was limited during Thursday's practice. Uh, you know, Marvin Mims, he's been one of the most effective downfield receivers in football this season. Russell Wilson ranks top 10 in terms of passes of 20 plus yards and passes in 10 to 19 yard range. Like they're willing to push the ball downfield. And again, to agree, I'm sure that's a product of where they find themselves in game situations, but you got Jerry Judy, you got Cortland Sutton, you got Marvin Mims. Like that, that is a passing game that can cause some trouble. And if they're able to, to marry that with an effective ground game or the Packers inability to put up points on offense, I mean, we've seen this defense struggle with that capacity because, you know, going back to the Raiders game, you know, before that it was, all right, they got to make adjustments. They got to make adjustments and they did, but it's easier to do that against a Raiders team, so to speak, where they run the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo uses the middle of field and all of, not all, but a lot of his throws are within 10 yards of line of scrimmage. Like if you're Joe Barry, it's easier to be like, all right, we're going to play a little closer to the line of scrimmage this game. But what do you do when you have to stop a ground game like Denver's, but also have to worry about a couple of their receivers trying to push the ball downfield? You can't take away both of those elements within the same play. You have to concede towards one or the other. So it's going to be a really interesting dynamic in that regard about you know, the the how Barry wrestles with that and what he decides to um, try to take away on a given play. So again, going back to the complimentary football component of it, this Packers offense can give them a lead, seven, 10 points, you know, something to work with. That's going to be huge for the defense. And I think obviously that's always beneficial, but I think going against this Denver offense that can really, really uh, put the defense in an advantageous situation. Definitely. I think, uh, I think we would all agree if you win the toss, let's take the ball and try to go up seven right now. <laughs> right. And I'm usually one that likes to defer, but uh, yeah, you, you, if we could jump out to an early lead, get them out of that running game, that's going to be the key to success. And, and I'll tell you, Paul, our key to success is having you on every week, man. We can't thank you enough. You always bring us uh, great insight, and uh, we're excited to have you on board as our, our Packers insider. Again, everybody, you can find him uh, on Twitter, at Paul underscore Brettel. He writes for Packers Wire, Dairyland Express. We actually got an article we're going to hit on uh, here in a minute, uh, a little later in the show here, Paul. If I can got it, I'll pull it up real quick. Um Where's it at? Right here. Bang. So we're going to hit on this. I like this tweet you sent out, right? And uh, some of the stuff that you had uncovered. And I was, I was saying, yes, yes, yes. Let's start stealing from some of these other offenses, especially one that, you know, the terminology uh, similar, and you're going to use a lot of pre-snap motion, just like Miami does, you know, San Francisco does, uh, LA Rams do. So I'm excited, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it, man. You're always, you're, you're the best. Thanks Clayton. Always enjoy it. Take care. Have a great evening. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so Paul jumps off. Now we got Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Jacob, uh, pretty good stuff from Paul as usual, right? What did uh, what kind of stood out to you there, man? Yeah, man, Paul is amazing. As always, I'm just sitting here trying to keep up and take notes. Um, just like, yeah, on his level, um, I did join like a minute and a half late. So I couldn't, it sounded like you were talking about a linebacker. Has that been, uh, was it either Quay or Devondre basically not going to go? Is that what you guys were kind of talking it's, about? It sounds like Devondre is probably not going to go. Right now it sounds like he's, uh, he, he's, he's very doubtful, I guess you could say. Now they may hold that close to the vest, but uh, you know, one of the things they were bragging on was Isaiah McDuffie and, and Eric Wilson kind of stepping in in a pinch and, that's what Paul was pointing out. And I'll tell you, Eric Wilson, when, when I see him on the field, Jacob, I don't get nervous. And I like McDuffie too. But Wilson out there, just I just feel like he's got experience. I don't know what it is. I don't think he's going to make a huge mental mistake. You know what I mean? He might not be as good as, obviously, Devondre Campbell, former Pro Bowl you know, linebacker, and, and of course, uh, Quay Walker with all that athletic ability. But, yeah, he was he was kind of hitting on some of that stuff there for sure. Eric right. Sutherland in the chat getting creepy already. He says, Jacob, the prettiest lips on YouTube. Go ahead, Jake. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> the bell of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> the bell of the ball. I got you right here. I'm just like. Hi, I'm Date Mike. Nice to meet me. How do you like your eggs in the morning? Eric Sutherland hitting you with it. All right, go ahead, Jake. Sorry, man. Thanks, Eric. Serious, guys. We just got Paul Brittle on here. It's already off the rail. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. <laughs> got all the serious stuff out of the way, right? <laughs> right when I jumped on, I did hear him talking about McDuffie, I believe. He was talking about how kind of he was more um, impressed and disappointed in the way that he'd been playing. And if I, if, like I said, I was just putting on the headphones, all that. If I heard him right, he said that out of the 29 possible situations of uh, making a tackle, McDuffie was like 28 to 29. Did I hear that correctly? I think I think so. Yeah, I believe that's what it that's, was. I mean, I I, I really do. Um, you know, McDuffie was a late round pick, um, so he was immediately one of my favorites, and he was one of those guys that I went back and forth with Ryan. I was like, he's 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 gonna be pretty good. Ryan's like, dude, he's like barely him. gonna make the team, but I think that he really has shown up. And like you talked about Wilson, 
I think Wilson did a heck of a lot better. And honestly, I've looked at a few of these these stats now going in. I watched a, a preview of we can get into it a little more specifically, but guys, our, our defense is not that bad. I'm telling you, man. People, people, people refuse to listen to me. I'm going. It, they have improved from last year to this point. Listen, the the wheels could fall off. One wheel could fall off and pass us up on the freeway. You know what I'm saying? But right now, the defense is playing pretty solid. I agree, Jacob. It's 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 situational and it's kind of weird, but it's um, yeah. I mean, we can. I don't know what you want to go into next, but right now, I I was kind of shocked to see some of the. First of all, I mean. The Jair thing, that that just is starting to really, I don't know why, Matt LaFleur and Jair Alexander, who were two of the people that I never thought I'd be like, uh, whatever about, right. just getting kind of annoyed. It's, yeah. it's, uh, and the chat here agrees with you, man. Jeff Schultz in the chat said, Alexander's a train wreck, all mouth, no play. Uh, Omar in the chat said, uh, Alexander's back is sore from carrying the big fat ego of his, crying he ain't a team captain. That takes maturity and performing on the field both of which he's not shown much of uh, this season so far. And I, I just don't like his comments, man. And, and again, I, I hope he returns back to, you know, Pro Bowl form. But right now it's just uh, – it's tough, man. And you know what? Maybe as as like an, an you know, uh, ultra competitor, Tim, maybe that's another thing that's kind of feeding this, him being a little bit more mouthy is, you know, the back's acting up. He can't perform at the level he wants to. And you get a little bit chirpy and you want to be out there more – um, but uh, I don't know, man. What do you make of it, Tim? You're always the guy that brings us back full, full circle, recenters us with a little bit of positivity around the players. Uh, how you feeling about about uh, Alexander? Are we all being a, a little too hard on him? Oh, you're muted, Tim. Sorry about that, guys. That's all right, but uh, no, I don't think we're off at all, and I can see where that sentiment is coming from. I mean, the tape doesn't lie. Uh, but like you said, you know, a nagging back injury. Um, I've had a bad back before. It I, sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't play football. So um, yeah. <laughs> just getting off the couch with a bad back is tough enough. So um, I'm not going to sit there and drag him. I will say this, though, that's spot on. I mean, if he's physically not able to be out there, uh, he wants to be that vocal leader. Um, yeah. normally we're used to the opposite. We're used to Jair, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time. And when you can't walk the walk due to injury or just, you know, whatever variables there are, it gets a little harder to stomach the talk. Um, so, you know, we have other vocal leaders in that secondary, uh, Rasul Douglas being one of them. Um, and, uh, I don't think anybody's super bashful on that defense. Uh, we need guys to step up and just be leaders right now. You know, and that's why getting a lot of these uh, these pieces out on the field in a get right game scenario against, um, you know, a Denver team that isn't scaring anyone right now. This is an opportunity for other guys to step up. But, you know, I'd really love to see Ja go out there and and get it back, you know, get a pick six, take us back to to where we want to be. But it's tough. I mean, we're literally on a day by day, week by week um you know basis here with him just like we have been with aaron jones and a lot of other guys with injury uh as well so um but no i don't think anyone's off base i'm not gonna drag him i i love ja i always have um i'm just gonna hope this is just one of those points in his career that he's got to get through you know he's still in his prime so hopefully that he can get back to that form 
Definitely. And, and like we always say, if you see it, you got to say it. We're going to talk about it. He's underperformed. There's no doubt. But let's let's root for him to turn it around for sure. You mentioned Rasul Douglas and his leadership. Yeah. Max Schneidman tweeted this out, a quote from the locker room. He said, Rasul Douglas, quote, I mean, we haven't won in a month. Poopy. <laughs> we ain't win since the 24th or something like that of September. What's today? It's the 20th. That's a month. You know what I mean? So we haven't felt victory in a while, and I'm tired of coming in here and everybody being sad, and everybody's sad, he said, end of quote. What do you think about that, Jacob? That's what you want to hear, right, man? Like, hey, look, let's let's go. Well, one, like Tim just talked about, like, uh, when he said that Razul is – he's not just overplaying Jair. He's ranked right now – last time I looked at PFF, when you look at our lineups, he's the fourth-ranked cornerback in the league, guys. The fourth. Yep. I mean, and he's making what? I mean, compared to what Jair is making, I mean, pennies right. on the dollar. And he's for, making I mean, plays. That's what he's making. He's making plays. <laughs> and guess what? He deserves, in my opinion, put the captain, sew that right on his jersey because he's the guy out there that you see getting on the, the guys, getting on him for missing the reads. Whoa. Got on uh, uh, Nixon for, you know, when he clearly, they had an idea as to like, hey, don't let Devontae do the slant into the freaking touchdown. And then the next play, he's looking at me, he goes, oh, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> right. like, we just had a conversation about it. Like, hey. yeah. We talked about it the other day, though. Everyone, We got to give everyone uh, their chance to be a captain every week. Yeah, no. You know, no. like, it's how, how we're doing it, I guess. Look at you trying to put a quarter in Jacob tonight. <laughs> he's, the old school, he's the only old school kind of guy that we have on this defense other than maybe Gary. And they're still not giving Gary more than freaking 30% of the snaps. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? I just, God. <laughs> Omar in the chat said, I think they should remove Keyshawn Nixon from the secondary when Stokes returns. He sucks versus the pass for sure. Hey, he has underperformed. There's no doubt about that. There's been a couple of times that he, uh, you know, uh, made some tackles, right? I know the grades haven't been great, but I agree, man, like that, like you – we're just talking about, you know, you could tell that that was something that they baited them into throwing that slant, that underneath a little little mini dig slant, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he just missed his shot, and it just it was it was embarrassing because he kind of looked like Zach Tom with the flop. He just kind of laid out, you know, as the as the you know as I think it was Devontae or whoever it was catches the pass three yards away from him. It was like it reminded me when I played baseball and you'd be pitching. And you would, you know, you deliver the pitch and someone would just have like this, this slugger swing, right? And you blink at the worst time. And as soon as they make contact, you hear the ping and you think the ball's coming right back at you. I couldn't tell you how many times it was a slow dribbler and I was falling on the ground thinking <laughs> it was coming back 120 mile an hour. That's what, that's what it reminded me of watching Keyshawn kind of just jump at the ball, man. It was so, it was so strange, so unorthodox for sure. I guess the um, question is though, is Stokes that guy for the slot though? Like, I mean, if we, we no. move, if we move Keyshawn out of there, then who goes, who goes to slot? I know who I want. If, 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 if Eric Stokes is a solid boundary corner. Okay, great. Right. We didn't see that before he got hurt in my opinion. Good rookie year, not great, but just a good rookie year by rookie standards. He, he graded out in the 60s. You've seen him make some mistakes, but he also showed from time to time he could run, you know, hip on hip, down the boundary with any speed receiver. But the thing that 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 keeps coming back to me, Tim, is if he can play at starting caliber level, top, and I'm going to be really, really lenient here, top 60 cornerback in the league, then I want Rasul 
in that slot. Now, I know a lot of people got soured on that when when Rasul played the slot a couple years ago when he first got here or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know. I think Rasul, I think the PFF grade suggests too, he's a different player. And if you ask me right now, what player on this defense, right, what player on this defense understands the defense the most, right, and is willing to try to communicate uh, what he sees on film, it's got to be Rasul. Rasul is head and shoulders above everyone else, in my opinion, in that secondary, even Quay, because Quay is one of those guys, quick twitch, instinctive, but he's one of those guys that it's his physical ability that separates him from other players, right? And if he could get kind of the understanding of the defense and being able to read and recognize things, he could be a top-tier linebacker, no doubt. But Rasul is on a different level right now. Put him in that slot. And, and think of everything you're going to take away underneath if he continues to play at the level he's at. And, and again, there's it's not like, oh, he's he's only doing good on deep passes. Teams haven't taken a lot of deep shots against Sewell, right? Where you're seeing him succeed is playing underneath, playing that top-down kind of look. And, and I'm telling you, he's a tackling machine for a cornerback too. There's no doubt about that. He's just one of those guys he's willing to lay his body out there and make the tackle. Um, Paul had a tweet here that I brought up briefly. I want to get your all's take on it real quick. And it goes hand in hand kind of with the Broncos uh, game coming up. Let me find it here. Bang. This is what he said. Let me get this comment off here. The chat is lit up tonight. I absolutely love it, man. You guys are awesome. Um, He said, whether the Packers execute um, is a different question, but a number of things the Dolphins do concept wise that are applicable to Green Bay. Miami ranks first in motion. Tua is first in average time to throw. Waddle, Hill, and Mostert all top 27 among running backs and wide receivers in yak yardage. Tenth in rushing attempts per game. Fifth in play action attempts. Top 10 in passes of 20 plus yards and uh, zero to nine yards. And then, he, of course, was quote tweeting where he said, before the by LaFleur mentioned, taking time to look around the NFL at what other offenses are doing to see if anything could be implemented by the Packers. Well, he should look no further than the Dolphins-Broncos matchup and whatever week it was where they absolutely boat raced them. So with that being said, Jacob, uh, you know, th- this is the time of year, obviously going into the bye, you do a self-scout, right? You do, you do a self-scout on your team and kind of go, okay, look around the league, what are some of the trends? The quick motion pre-snap that we're seeing out of the backfield, the quick motion they do with Tariq Hill, and their timing is just absolutely phenomenal. I'll tell you what you don't see a lot of is post-snap sift. I want to see that toned down. I'm not saying you should remove it. It has its place in split flow. But tone that back a little bit. Stop pulling the guard so much and get into that 11 personnel because we know that's exactly what uh, Miami likes to do, that in combination with their 21. But what do you think about that, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, um, can you pull up that? That uh, tweet real quick one more yeah. time. So I'm looking oh, sorry, at that. Wrong one. There we go. Yeah. Um, so first in motion, we've all talked about how much we want to see more Jets motion. I'd like to see more orbit motion, more like just you know interesting stuff. Maybe motioning some of the backs out of the out of the back into the you know the slot and that kind of stuff. Tenth in rush attempts per game. That one is what hit me. Um, Aaron Jones has 14 rushing attempts this year, guys. That to me, I mean, granted, I know he's been hurt. But he played two games. Fourteen rushing attempts is ridiculous. Like I would, that would be, I'd be a little bit disappointed if that was one game. If if I had controls, if I'm playing Madden, and I'm, <laughs> you know, fourteen attempts would be on the light end for that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and it's just, I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't feel like we're utilizing our strengths. I, I, I don't know why we're not doing it. I think that we're really playing 
I know the Packers have, have been always been known for really babying guys with injuries, not letting them back, very taking their time. But I feel like this year, we've talked about it so many times. This is a, a test year. We need to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks this year. Right. And I feel like we've just been really – I'm trying to stay PC. We've been <laughs> lollygagging around and uh, being a little bit of a, a – Easy, easy killer. I'm gonna. We, <laughs> trying so hard. You can't say anything nowadays. Um, bro, I struggle every episode. I'm like, ah, oh. that was great though, because you just you didn't say anything. That was perfect. Yeah, I was. There you go. You did yeah. good. I was trying to think of what uh, the elf. Uh, you're a cottonhead. Uh, he not only rambled, but he rumbled and stumbled. <laughs> <gasps> uh, I just, I don't know, man. It just seems, it seems vanilla, which I didn't expect. I thought that we were gonna come out and be very kind of like almost over the top where granted we've been talking about how we need to we need to tone it down with like the sift blocks with the pin and pull with like the over complicated the necessary stuff for the offensive line but that doesn't mean that the offensive scheme doesn't have to be vanilla it blew my mind as we talked about that we don't script our plays that i i can't even still believe that that's a thing we script yeah. concepts we script concepts okay cool <laughs> It sounds so weak, man. Like it, it, you know, it, it, it just—I don't know. It, it just reeks of participation. That's what, what I mean? it is. It, it feels yeah. like we'll just, try this a little bit. Come on, Matt is bringing like a freaking pull long cooler with orange slices and pizza bagels for everybody. Like hey, we're gonna give it a shot today, guys. You know, and maybe we'll try to run, and then if not, we're gonna learn from it. And, and hey, guys, don't forget next week you can be a captain. Yeah, you can be a captain too next week, guys. Okay. <laughs> Golly. Hey, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about the <laughs> Packers versus Broncos matchup here. All right. And first of all, I want to read off some stats to you guys really, really quick. Okay. NFL NFL team opponents per play. Okay. So this is a defensive metric that I like in points per play, right? So, like I pointed out the other day, the Packers are kind of middle of the road in points per play. They're up from last year significantly. Uh, basically, this year, they're 17th in points per play. And with the number they had last year, they would currently rank uh, 25th, okay, so that you can kind of see how they've improved in that regard. They're in the top 10 in yards per play. Now, let's look at Denver's defense. Points per play, Denver is 31st in the league, all right? So their defense has played like booty. All right, cheeks, absolute cheeks. Let's look at their yards per play. I didn't take a look at it. I want to make sure. Um, let's see here. Opponent yards, not per game, but opponent yards per play. Let's see here real quick. Where is it at? Can't find it. That's beautiful. Great podcasting right here. Um, <laughs> total defense. All right, here we go. Let's see here. Yards per play, opponent's yards per play. When it comes to that, Denver is dead last at 6.7. Guys, you're talking about arguably the worst defense in the league, all right? So when we look at it from that standpoint, let's go in and look at some of the matchups here, okay? We'll start with the Packers' offense and their base look, okay, 12 personnel, right? Here's the PFF look right here. So in base personnel, when you look at their defense, where are the weak spots, where are the strengths? First of all, uh, Patrick Sertan, 
um, is obviously uh, one of, if not their best defender. You've got Jackson at free safety at a 71.1, and like I said, Sertan at a 70.5, okay? Now, when you look at their other strengths, you've got Jewel at linebacker in the middle at 69.4. Not great, but not too, not too bad. Where are the weak spots? Look at Mathis on the right side there, 34.8, in combination with Simmons at, at strong safety at a 53.3. I don't. The reason this feels like a bait game, and oh by the way, the point spread is only one point. We're one point favorites. The reason it feels like a bait game is because, like, even in the base here where we like to run play action and take shot plays, this kind of feels like baiting right here, right? Because it's like, wow, we should really be able to throw the ball on that right side. I know how bad their run defense is, but that makes me a little bit nervous. Hopefully, we don't get too cocky in that regard. But with this twelve personnel here, Tim, what do you think? What stands out to you? Can you see these numbers? Okay, buddy. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm squinting at my screen, but that's probably you your that's, prob- that's a good move. So you're not staring up at the screen, right? <laughs> that's probably just because I'm blind. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, no, I'm still I, I'm still cringing every time I I look at this when I got to see Myers and Runyon on that line. <laughs> but all right, I guess let's do it. And you're absolutely right, man. I, I'm actually of the mentality that, like, you know, Denver being dead last and second to last and bottom of the barrel in a lot of these categories, like, I, I don't even want to hear it anymore because the way we've been playing, like Rasul Douglas said, for the last month. Should be a good matchup. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and now the, the fan in me wants a boat race. I want 53 to 10. Let's do it. But – how about we just put together a good drive? Let's just start with a, a good drive and actually finishing it and then build build on that. I believe Paul alluded to that earlier. Put yourself in good down and distance situations uh, in this game. Um, matchup wise, though, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it it shouldn't be as good of a game as, as, it, as it's probably going to be. Honestly, I got a, I got a feeling it's probably going to be close. Yeah. What do you think, Jacob, as far as the base before we move on to uh, to 11 personnel? Yeah, Paul kind of touched on this. I believe his number was that the Denver defense uh, is allowing 5.6 yards per carry. That's just running backs. They're overall allowing 5.9 yards per carry allowed. That's 32nd in the NFL. Um, and yeah, I just as much as I would like to maybe attack the secondary, I know that that's a little bit more of their strong suit. If you look at maybe more of like their front five, because uh, Mathis is trash. Sertan has shown that he can be decent in, in times, but right now he's kind of back end, you know, cornerback one Jackson and Simmons. Jackson's decent. Simmons is meh, but they're both uh, battling injuries right now. There is a possibility that both of them don't play from what I'm seeing, but it's, probably more like game time decision, but they're probably will go kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then in addition to that, dude, I just, I'd like to see us try to maybe with Aaron Jones, I more inside zone, go at Purcell, like maybe try to just, I, I know it looks like our weakest part of our offensive line is center in our guards, but mm-hmm. it looks like the, the, I mean, they, their nose tackles garbage. He's one of the worst in the league. So I don't think yeah. Benito's anything to shake a stick at. Or I should say Benito's not great. Uh, Cooper, I don't even honestly know who he is. I've never even, I don't <laughs> know the dude, never really. It's like Justin Cooper or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have no I have no opinion on him. And that should tell you everything I guess you need to know about that. Like Jules, a little bit decent. He's kind of like to us, like our Quay. He's, he's quick and he can, it seems like he's decent in coverage and stuff like that, but he's, 
I don't know. I'm I'm not worried about the defense on paper. It looks like we should be able to do a, quite a bit of work on them, but we've seen how that that turns out. I'm more worried that we're going to come in here and that Mims is going to show us up. That McLaughlin's going to randomly have a game on us because I heard that P Ryan might not be able to play. You know, I just it's one of those weird trick games where you're going to watch the pregame. Every single person on ESPN is going to be like, the Packers win, the Packers win, the Packers win, the Packers win. <laughs> and we watched probably two quarters of just the worst football, and we're all sitting here pulling our hair out. And I, I just hope that that's not the thing. I hope this is the get-right game. I hope this is the game where we come out and we score on the first drive, we score in the first half. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I, and you know me. I'm a guy that if you win the toss, let's defer. Right. I, I'm, I'm with you, Clayton, man. No, take the ball, man. Yeah, I you got to take that. the ball. We're on the road. No. Let's take the ball and let's put a drive together. If you can't score on this defense, then it doesn't matter if you defer or not. <laughs> but That's right. if you can't score on this defense, you're going to go down and get an early lead. Let's get them away from their running game for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to point out here, and, and this is what's so cool, talking to Mike Wall, what did he say when I said, you're the OC, what do you change? He says, I'm, I'm spreading things out. I'm going with 11 personnel, right? I'm going to spread things out, lighten that box a bit, okay? And it, what's crazy is Mike Wall – and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but the only time I've heard him talk about PFF, he does not like it. He does not like it at all. He he doesn't agree with how they grade, all that stuff, right? But with that being said, it, the information with PFF lines up with exactly what he's saying. I want you to key in on the tight ends here. Josiah DeGuara, 55.7. Luke Musgrave, 59.5. Now, keep in mind, the main reason that Musgrave's grade is so low what is because of his blocking. OK, so he's probably if you were to just look at his PFF grade as far as in the passing game, probably in the mid 60s would be my guess. OK, so with that being said, you've got Musgrave 59.5, DeGuara 55.7. If we do what Mike Wall said and we spread it out, we go to our 11 personnel. Bang. Don't this look a little bit better, guys? Look at this. When you look at their nickel defense now, right, and how they're spread out a bit a little bit. Now, they've got a solid nickel back in McMillan. But look at Jaden Reed at a 66.0. Imagine him being on the field as opposed to Josiah Aguara in the 50s, right? You got Luke Musgrave at 59.5, but now you flex Musgrave out. Who's covering him? You're probably going to have Singleton or Jewel trying to cover Musgrave down the field, depending on what defense they line up in, how they decide to game plan it. And now if you do that, and now you have to start to rotate safety help over one side or the other, or even both, you're taking a bad run defense, you know, a defense that's already bad at, at defending the run. You're opening it up. You're, you're lighting in the box. And look at the advantage we would have in the running game, right, especially especially if Aaron Jones is healthy, right? This is what you talk about when you, you refer to scheming hat count, right, trying to trying to get, create the hat count. Exactly that, correct. That, so That favors us. When we talk about hat count, you're talking about a hat on a hat, a player on a player, right? In the running game, it's in zone blocking is a little bit different than gap blocking and, and actually having an assignment, that type of thing. You're, you're basically blocking to a zone, right? And it's cool because Lombardi actually invented it way back in the day. He doesn't get credit for it. It's, you know, Shanahan was the one who really got credit for the zone blocking scheme. But they said that uh, Lombardi's players in New York, when he was the OC in New York way back in the day, were looking at him like he was crazy when he said, we're not going to have an assignment. You block that guy. We're blocking to an area, right? So when you look at it that way, what you're trying to do is you're trying to gain a hat. That's the whole reason that they try to pull guards. That's the whole reason they try to do the pin and pull, where you're just trying to get a body to cut someone off and, and what some coaches refer to as uh, you know, gaining a gap. You know, winning a half a gap, or what have you. So 
when you're talking about hat count, you're looking at the like if we pull up this image right here, right? Imagine if Musgrave is flexed out to the right, okay, and you take Singleton, the the inside linebacker on the right side there, and you flex him out with him. Now you've got a five man, uh, you know, a five man box, if you will, right? Well, you've got five offensive linemen to block those five guys, right? So now everybody's a hat on a hat unless they do something wonky and bring a safety into the box. If they do, then you go to your cam play and you take your shot on Mathis with Watson. You see what I'm saying there? And these matchups may flip-flop. They may put Sertan and have him follow Watson. They may do a little bracket coverage on Watson. But regardless, we should be able to run the ball on this defense if we don't try to get cute. That's the big thing I'm concerned about. Get rid of the pulling. Get rid of the sifting for just a second. Let's get our feet under us. Run the ball this game like we did that opening drive uh, against the, the Raiders. Let's go inside zone. You can run a little split flow, but keep it freaking simple, right? That's the way I see it. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Let's look at our base 34 against their base uh, 12 personnel here, okay? And as you can see, Russell Wilson, guys, I know a lot of people like to bash him. He's not been a bad quarterback this year. He's actually played pretty well. Some people were comparing his stats to Patrick Mahomes, and it would surprise you. Then immediately all the Patrick Mahomes lovers would come out and say, yeah, but but Russell Wilson's playing from behind, so that's why his stats are so good. PFF doesn't care if you're playing behind or not, right? They're simply grading what you're doing on the field. 72.0 is not bad at all, okay? So when you look at this lineup right here in their base set, what really sticks out to me, look at Rashawn Gary on his side of the field. Look at how bad McGlinchey's playing right now at right tackle, right? So if you key in on that and you go, well, if they go 12 personnel, then they can help pick that up. Look at their 12 personnel. It's worse than ours, right? <laughs> you got, I mean, you got, I think it's Manhurts is how you say it, 53.2. You got Troutman at a 44.5. Those are your two tight ends. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like the way our defense matches up here. I think that this is a game that as much as I want to say Joe Barry get aggressive – I think this is the game that you do play that quarters coverage. You play soft and make them go down the field 13, 15 plays. You know That's what's interesting? Play. Can you throw it into their uh, – throw them into their 11 personnel? Yep, right here. Bang. Same thing as us. Look at that right there. They throw Marvin Jim's, uh, Marvin Mims Jr. out there, and all of a sudden this looks a lot better, that mm -hmm. formation, compared against us, same as we do against their defense. So Absolutely. This is going to be an interesting matchup there. Yeah, definitely. If Alexander doesn't go, even if Alexander goes, that's the thing. You're, you're sitting there going, where's Jair? That's him over there with that 63.5 game. Now, look at look at Sewell, though, boy. Sewell's stout. Fourth highest graded corner in the league. Look at Rashawn Gary, 14th highest edge, like 84.4. Rudy Ford, my boy. Look at Rudy Ford up there, dude. Hey, I was going to say Rudy Ford at 17th. And then another shameful plug right here, Quinn Mirnez, the sixth mm -hmm. best. Best guard in the league, Whitewater, Wisconsin. No oh, problem. shout out. Shout out to Whitewater. All right. Um, I don't know, man. You know, when when, when they come out in their 11 personnel, I like that matchup better than our base, believe it or not. I really do. Jerry Judy's overrated. Watch him oh, come yeah. for just this year, this week. <laughs> Steve Smith rip him apart, dude. Oh, dude, it was awesome. I love him. <laughs> he may have single-handedly, like, stopped a lot of the trade talk that was that people were saying about him. Yeah, um, I read an article about it today where a, a couple like NFL insiders said that like certain teams that were kind of flirting with the idea of doing a trade with, with for Jerry Judy were like after they listened to Steve Smith, they're like, I don't want nothing to do with this little song. Oh, you know it, dude. You know it. That, that if anything, that hurt him seeing the way he acted, how he was running behind him and everything, and just show it was just it was like, What are you doing, dude? Chill out. 
He, you're, you're proving the point for him. You know what I mean? Uh, Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat. He says, if love can't succeed against this historically bad defense and it comes what I've been saying, he ain't him. It's a make or break it game. I, I respectfully disagree, Josh, but it, you, I, it's going to be hard for me to argue for him if he comes out and struggles against this defense. There's no doubt. I want to play you guys an audio real quick. This came from Ryan Slip on Packernet After Dark, okay? And, and, again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but these things matter because I've, I've heard a lot of people saying here lately, and maybe you guys have too, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, this is Jordan Love doesn't have a – you're not getting a, an accurate assessment because he's playing behind a bad offensive line. We keep hearing that, right? Listen to what Ryan said on Packernet After Dark. Hopefully you guys can hear this well enough, but here we go. As far as pressure, um, this one might surprise some people. Jordan Love has been under pressure 29.5% of his dropbacks, which seems incredibly high. It's actually the fourth lowest. Tua is at 21.5, Jimmy Garoppolo 24.8, Joe Burrow 25.4, Jordan 29.5. I'm actually stunned at how high this is. I want to go back to last year. Am I just not understanding this correctly? No, I'm just used to an elite offensive line. Aaron Rodgers last year was 26.7, which is similar. He was the third lowest. So the Packers' offensive lines are just elite all the time. Right smack dab in the middle. Let's see, so there's 40. So at 20, Brock Purdy, 33.6% pressure. Um, that was last year. This year, Justin Fields is under pressure the most. And yes, some of this depends on the quarterback. But still, just for just for reference, 49.5%. 50% of his dropbacks, he's under pressure. So I know you said pressure isn't like the biggest thing, but just just for context, and I'm honestly even stunned by this. Um, yeah, the, the the fourth lowest pressure rate of any quarterback, and he has the third lowest passing grade of any quarterback um, ahead of just Gardner Minshew and Daniel Jones while under pressure behind Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Deshaun Watson, and Zach Wilson. His completion percentage under pressure is 34.2%, which is dead last. It's 35th out of 35 quarterbacks. He's completed 13 of 38 passes for 144 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. So, again, and, and that's kind of – it's important for the, the point that I'm making, which is people are throwing context at me, which makes sense. I like context. And the context is, yeah, but – He's under pressure, and that's not his fault. That's the offensive line's fault. And my context back to you is everybody faces pressure. Everybody also faces plays where they're not under pressure. So you can separate them, identify them independently, and then see how they're doing. And again, Jordan Love is one of the worst quarterbacks while under pressure. You say, what about well kept clean? Well, when there is no pressure, let's see. Let me find him here. He ranks 23rd. He has a 73.5 PFF grade, which again is, is fantastic, but... Um, 14 quarterbacks have an 80 or higher and, uh, five, almost six have a 90 or higher when there's no pressure. Number one being Jared Goff, number six being Kirk Cousins. So the competition in the NFC North is, uh, you definitely want to make sure you bring pressure. Let's just say that. But his completion percentage, again, right? The, the passes are better if he's not under pressure. He's dead last 62.1% with no pressure. 62.9 is Andy Dalton who's one spot ahead of him. So he is dead last in while there's pressure. He's also dead last with no pressure. He's completed 77 of 124 passes. So I know I don't. All right. So you kind of get the gist there. And again, 
Um, that was Ryan on the uh, Packernet podcast. If you guys have never heard of the Packernet podcast, I'm going to flash this up here real quick. Just scan the QR code in the upper right. That'll send you to Packernet podcast. And uh, awesome, awesome stuff there from Ryan. What I love about Ryan is sometimes he goes in and, he, in, in, you know, especially Packernet after dark, someone asks him to look something up. They bring up a topic. He'll go look it up and right on the spot, he's not going, well, here's what I was, it's, dang, I didn't see that one. Yeah. And, and what he's pointing out, 34% pressure, right? That's dead. He's dead last in completion percentage against pressure in the league. Or I'm sorry, he's, I think he's in the bottom three in that category. And then with no pressure, because people were coming, you know, at me on Twitter and tagging me and stuff. And, and, and it's okay. You know, we can agree to disagree or whatever. And, you know, you, you want to look at everything in context. And again, Josh, thank you so much for the super chat. We appreciate it. Um, but it's, well, you know, he's actually pretty good with no pressure or no, he was pretty good on first downs. It's like, that's the easiest down to throw the ball on. The defense is keying in on the run on first and 10, right? So to cherry pick that stat, not that he was, but someone else pointed it out. It's like, come on guys, let's don't, let's don't act like Chicago bears fans here. Let's don't try to move the goalposts and make it seem like it's not as bad as it is. Remember, the whole idea this year is to evaluate, an honest evaluation of mainly the quarterback but the entire team so we can move forward, make the adjustments, and 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 do what the team needs to do. But dead last against no pressure, dead last in completion percent. I think he said it was 61%. Jacob, it's uh, it's tough, man. It's tough, you know. And, and here right here, what Omar said in the chat, Matt hates to run on first downs. You couple that in with it. He's he's worst in the league, dead last in completion percentage on first down passes, right? And he's right at the bottom when facing pressure. The only thing that makes sense is to run the freaking ball until you can't run the ball, then pass, right? Like, yep. unless you're losing a yard or two on first down, if you're gaining two yards on first down and second down, come back with a wide zone. Come back with a duo. Try to put yourself in a more advantageous position on third down, i.e. third and manageable, third and five, third and seven. It's better than third and 12. It's darn sure better than second and 15 because we decide to shift from a spread set to pony package with Christian Watson and then expect a wide receiver to block down on a 285-pound defensive lineman. Like you just simplify the offense, spread it out, stick to mid-zone run, right, with a little duo action in there, if the hat counts right, and let's just let's put some building blocks together, right, Jacob? I mean, does that make sense to everybody? Because when I heard those numbers, I got to be real, I wasn't expecting it to be that bad. I was not. I heard that on his podcast. I was like, I've got to screen record this and put po- and play it on the pod because it, it really was alarming to me. But what do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I heard a lot of these numbers too, it made me kind of shake my head and be like, what? Uh, for instance, love three straight games of under an eighty. 80.0 quarterback rating and when we talked about just what you were saying not 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 running on first down and, and putting love in these weird positions where the guy's just throwing the ball over the field why are we doing that to him let's let's let him do only what he needs to do kind of thing um another thing that made me kind of scratch my head was just i don't understand like i know that jones has been hurt i know that dylan has been kind of up and down it seems that we've been really reluctant to, to like get other guys like Wilson or even Taylor, even opportunities in the mix to see if they can maybe be a little more dynamic on first down. And I just, <clears throat> I don't know. I just feel like we're not setting up a quarterback 
that is in a very let's for, for all intents and purposes this is a guy that's basically a first year let's say maybe a second year quarterback we need to be not asking him to go out there and be like the Harlem Globetrotters just throwing up trick plays every now and then like why don't we give him like you said, a steady dose of run. And you know what? You know what that does by product? It makes our actual play action pass game. They yes. have to respect it for once. Like, you know, they're not respecting it at all. Right? Aaron Jones going into week seven has ran the ball 14 times. Do you really think they care if we're going to play action fake or not? Like it just to me is so, it's, it seems so, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate saying that LaFleur seems like he's JV or like Bush league, but He's almost scheming himself too much with what he's got. Like he's got to go back to the drawing board and be like, hey, I got to look at what my base players are. They can't do these crazy stunts and these twists and these all the, the sift blocks, all these pulling, you know, we we he, they can't do that. I'm asking these guys to perform way out past what their boundaries and what their capabilities are. So I just want them to get that back in. Start hammering in the basics. Love is not a bad quarterback, but he's not, you know. Again, he's he's not Mahomes right now. Let's just let him be uh, yeah. a decent quarterback. It's all he has to be. Sixty percent pat, like God, he's just got to do the bare how minimum. 60, how about sixty-five percent? Hey, I didn't say that. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. <laughs> got to stay true right. to the sixty-five. I can't play it if you didn't say it. <laughs> I like that. I don't mean to rhyme, but I do it all the time. Uh, Casey Oldman <laughs> says. Uh, I like to see much more involvement with wide receiver screens, get read some touches, get the playmakers in space. Please use Jones a lot. Here's the thing. In order to get the playmakers in space, you have to formationally create space, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, Tim, this is exactly what Mike Wall said. You know, that was one of the things when I asked him, you're the OC, what are you doing here? Talked about spreading it out, staying in 11 personnel, um, running a lot of mid zone, keeping things simple in the running game run your wide receiver screens, mix in your halfback screens, all those things. And when you don't do it out of a condensed formation, you don't have to run that long play action boot throwback screen because everything's already spread out, right? So what do you think, Tim? Are we being too hard on love? Um, I think he could turn it around. I, I want to I be very, very clear here, guys. I, I think love can turn it around. I don't like the spot he's been put in. Now, Ryan, mm -hmm. I, if, if I understood correctly, I don't want to put words in his mouth, he kind of disagrees with me on that. Now, Going into the Raiders game, Matt LaFleur was scheming receivers open like crazy. Love just wasn't finding them, right? When it comes to the Raiders game, though, I I can – every time I want to go, maybe it's not as bad as – I keep seeing that 13 personnel, and I'm going, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> what do you think, Tim? What do you what do you think about Love at this point and uh, what Casey said here about the wide receiver screens? Um, yeah, uh, you can't put this all on Jay Love. Um, but you can put a great deal of it if he's not finding open guys. Uh, whether that's due to pressure or not is irrelevant. Like like Ryan said, everyone gets pressured. Can you step up in the pocket? Can you step out of the pocket when you need to? Um, you know, a lot of those, maybe if he extends the play with his feet just a little more, he does find them. You know, but if you're standing in there and you're too comfortable, there is a such thing as being too comfortable yeah. uh, in, in a collapsing pocket. So um, I think, you know, we, we talked about ball coming out early and ball coming out late a lot of times with him, too. He's just off on his timing. So there's things he needs to correct. I would agree with uh, getting guys involved like Jaden Reed, um, you know, screen game, swing pass, uh, skinny post, uh, crossers, things like that. Absolutely. Uh, the please use Aaron Jones a ton. Um, I would love to see that, but we all know we're not going to. It's just something. <laughs> <Tim>. <laughs> 
We we just have to accept that, guys. You know, Kelly gets thirty seven. <laughs> Aaron Jones is is one of the most talented backs in the NFL, but he is not a guy that you can ride like we just rode AJ Dillon last week, um, all game long. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what. There you go. <laughs> you you guys know what I'm saying though. So Jones Jones, you got to get you got to get the most out of him uh, when you can. So when he's on the field, yeah, let's utilize him absolutely. Um, but uh, I don't think that you're going to see him, you know, with an extremely high workload, especially with the hamstring uh, issue. And plus, you know, running the ball is more than Aaron Jones. We have to do this by committee. Um, I like Jacob's point about, you know, spreading other guys in. You know, we need to keep that balance. The run game needs to be the run game, regardless of the personnel on the field. Um, And to Clayton's point, I think, you know, this offense seems to be like maybe where – we would think they'd be like this time next year, as far as like grasping these concepts and running the more complex looks in these condensed formations, uh, trying to run the ball out of pass sets, trying to pass the ball out of run sets, all of this stuff that is kind of like staples of LaFleur's offense. If he can kind of hone this in a little bit and uh, make it just a tad uh, more vanilla for our offense. I think we can get rolling. And once we get momentum, then you can start, you know, experimenting and stuff. But uh, I'm with you, man. I, 13 personnel. Are you kidding me? I yeah. like I, I'd rather see 21. I'd rather see 21 yes. personnel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Mercedes Lewis was on, was on the field, I feel a little bit better about 13, right? Because you're, right. you're, you're like, you're going jumbo. You got an extra tackle out there, but that's right. not the case at all uh nagabra in the chat says uh quote teams do not go physically flat they go mentally stale we all know that quote that's a that's a great quote man for sure and then uh tom spalding in the chat i believe is the one i want to read here he said we fans are quote evaluating love but are the coaches using the same criteria we keep saying they are putting him in difficult spots but is that intentional is he being tested by matt lafleur and failing um it's pretty deep stuff tom um, I, I would say no, but I will say this about Matt LaFleur. It was said all year last year by a four-time MVP quarterback, we need to simplify simplify this offense. And um, Matt literally said in the presser when they said, hey, Aaron said you need to simplify the offense. What do you think of that? And Matt LaFleur's response was, I don't understand what that means, <laughs> which was basically shut up, 12. I'll do what I want. <laughs> so, um, anyway. We're over the uh, hour 10-minute mark here. Jacob, let's wrap this thing up. Anything else you want to hit on, but let's go around the horn here real quick. Yeah, just real quick, and then I'm, i got to jump off. But um, <clears throat> Packers defense, just so we can all kind of really take this in consideration here. Right now we have an 84.8 QBR rating. That's 14th in the league. Not great, not horrible. We have 6.6 yards per attempt. That's tied for 11th in the league. Pretty decent. Pass rush, we have a 31.8 quarterback percentage. I'm sorry, quarterback presser rating, that's 10th in the league. We blitz the quarterback 39.2% of the time. That's fourth in the league, guys. We're the 15, stacks, 15 stacks in five games. Russell Wilson, who we're about to obviously go against, he has a 79.1 QBR versus the blitz in 2023. Last week, he went against KC, which blitzed him a ton. They have 19 sacks. He's taken, and that's 24th in the league. We have a chance to blow these dudes out. We got to just make sure we're calling a good game. Yeah, definitely. Tim, what you got, Bob? Oh, I love it, Jacob. Give me that defense, man. <laughs> man. Yeah. 
saying. You know Maybe. what? That's the best. That is the best recipe for a stagnant offense. We tried it with with the Raiders last week. You get a defense that can come out and just keep keep giving Jordan Love and them guys the ball. Just keep putting that ball back in their lap. Eventually, they're going to get it going. This is a get right game. Uh, we got to keep our head in the game though, and not not take it for granted because uh, you know Russell Wilson is. You, you can say a lot of things about old Russ, but you, you got to respect you got to respect him, man. The guy's a champion quarterback, um, and Sean Payton is big of a a d bag as he can be at times. Um, he uh, he he knows football apparently, and one of these days they're going to get it together. Because hey, this, we have to be careful. This is a get right opportunity for the Denver Broncos, Absolutely, also, man. and they're at home, so we yeah, can't. And that's not a this... stadium to play into. No, nope. that, that altitude. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So everyone's got to be uh be on their A game. This th- there's no excuses, and we're certainly done with excuses as a fan base. I know everyone's tired of hearing it. Uh, so let's get a win. Let's come back and let's be happy. And uh, we'll we'll do some. Uh, some chalk talk and film study on some positive plays for a change. Yes, please. I need so, it in my life. Go pack. Go. He's to be on their a game is Dallin Levitt. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> let, uh, we'll let dance time. Tim break it down. For you guys, <laughs> Did you see that one good play we got from Dallin Levitt in the game uh, where he, the uh, the he point. basically baited them into a false start on, uh, on a punt. Oh, for real? Yeah. He was brief. He was, he kept, you know, you're doing the little, little dance like the 90s dance and he kept doing it he was like going into the neutral zone and popping out in and out and then he kind of stopped and then they they fall started so like we finally saw a great play so tim got them moves man (laughs) he was doing like like the you know the kid in play or whatever whatever that is well it's like date mike (laughs) (laughs) nice to meet me nice to meet me (laughs) hi i'm date mike nice to meet me how do you like your eggs in the morning? <laughs> All right, hey, 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 hey. That's just the way we talk in the clink. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. It's off the rails. Thank oh. God for Paul Brett giving us a little bit of credibility. But uh, <laughs> anyway. All right. Appreciate everybody in the chat. You guys were awesome, man. You showed up early and uh, and really, really showed out. We, we appreciate y'all swinging through, no doubt about it. Also want to give a special shout out to Josh Martin. Thank you so much for the super chat, pal. We got some new YouTube members as well. Now we had some fall off because of, uh, uh, you know, United Bates gifting half of Brown County uh, memberships to the to the YouTube <laughs> channel. But uh, we're going to update that list for the giveaway. OK, so this Sunday during the postgame show for all the YouTube members of the PTA posse. OK, you just go to our our YouTube page and you can click join and become a YouTube member. Anyone who's a member, when we go live for the post-game show, okay, probably need to do the cutoff actually Saturday, Saturday night at 11.59 p.m., okay? So we need to have a cutoff so I have time to put the names in. We're going to be spinning the wheel to give away an autographed Paul Horning jersey. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's actually that one right there that I've got right here. And it's oh, got okay. this accolades sewn onto the bottom, which is really cool. His nickname nice. is Boy. Um, I think it mentions the Heisman, uh, talks about four-time NFL champion, all that. It's a really, really cool piece of memorabilia. Like I said, autographed by Paul Horning. Uh, got this certificate of authenticity from pristineauction.com. It's a Beckett-style home green jersey, much like that. I mean, it's exactly like that one. So make sure if you want to get yourself into that contest, just got to be a YouTube member. I want to say thank you to all of the YouTube members. You guys and gals 
are absolutely awesome. We appreciate you supporting the show. It was such a pleasant surprise seeing that. I didn't even know it was a thing on YouTube. And all of a sudden I'm getting notifications that people are becoming members. I'm like, what the heck is this? So that's why we decided to start to give away some stuff just to kind of give back to you guys as well. We want to keep that going because we really appreciate y'all supporting. Also, if you like this content, hit like for us, hit subscribe. Okay. And, uh, like I said, if, if you like it, spread the word. If you didn't, just pretend like you didn't even hear it, okay? That's how we'll go about that. But appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the tackle. The defensive end, if he's over, if he's back, you drive down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Go right by them and feel this side. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. So look at this play. What we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.